we're so glad you're here tonight. So excited about this time. And I want to I want to thank you for coming out. God is I really believe is giving us keys for the next 70. We're here and we're we're the, we're the remnant. And guys, we're not ashamed of who we are. We are not ashamed of who we are right now. I'm I'm so thankful. You know, most churches don't make it 70 years. <laughs> and if they are 70 years, there may be form, but there's not life. And I'm just so thankful to be in this room tonight with each one of you that there's life and we are here and we're ready to launch into the next 70. And I'm thankful for what God is doing and the keys that he's giving us and all that's going to be imparted this weekend. So, um, I, I don't want to take a lot of time talking tonight. We are gonna we are gonna receive an offering. If we can go ahead and put up those screens tonight, you can give online. You can uh, put up your camera there on your phone, and and uh, that'll enable you to give the keyword there. If you're using the text to give, you want to text that keyword and then add the amount after it, and it's got the number there. Um, you can do that. You can give online also through through the QR code, or we have some baskets up here. And everything that's given tonight is going to go towards this, towards this conference. And uh, as you're ready to give, you can just, you can come up for that. And we know that God is faithful and he's a good provider. Amen. So Lord, tonight, we just thank you that you are a good and a faithful provider, God. And Lord, that you're the God of exceeding abundantly as we give tonight. And Lord, we want to give by revelation. So we ask you to speak to us, to each one of us, God, what you would have us to give. And we bless you for the opportunity, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are so blessed tonight to have Will and to Haviland Ford with us. <laughs> Will and I go way back. Um, Will thinks he saw me in a suit and tie. Um, I'm not sure if he can prove it, but... <laughs> I, cast that, I got that cast out, that suit and tie, pretty quickly um, after I came here. Um, so, uh, yeah, Marcy. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with what's been said already. Like... And I want to just take it to the latter move is greater than the former move of God. And it's okay for it to be greater. It's okay to step into the greater. And, and I, I don't know even how to describe in words what I feel about this weekend. I, we didn't even want to come out of the prayer room because God was already just so moving before the the meeting even happened tonight, and, you know, we've been praying over this and praying over this, like, Lord, was this your idea or our idea? Like, are you in this? What are you doing? You know, because we don't have meetings just to have meetings, you know. Um, it, we really want it to be God's idea if we're going to do it, and, and honestly, we came in tonight with a level of anticipation, but still a level of, I don't know, God, and like, we stepped into that prayer room, and I'm just telling you, God started moving, prophesying, 
And I knew, I knew in that moment, and I feel so strongly that every one of you, you came here, it was the intentionality of God. I don't know what brought you here. I don't know why you came, but I believe it was the intentionality of God for you to be here. And I am undone that these friends of ours, Will and Havilland and Duncan and Kate, were willing to come and be part of this. Honestly, I feel undone about that. It feels like a great honor and a privilege. Yes. And, and I believe that what God is doing is it is. It's bigger than this room. It's bigger than us. It is this convergence of so many streams and moves coming together for such a time as this. And I believe you're going to be marked by what happens this weekend. I heard in there when we were praying that the words that are spoken out this weekend are going to be played and replayed and replayed and replayed because the breath of God is so on them. So just say yes to everything that God wants to do. And we just say thank you all so much. These are dear friends of ours. They're dear friends of our church. Also, though, I just was feeling even stronger than ever. Like, these also are friends who are alliances in the kingdom. And that is really significant for this time and season. It's always been bigger than one church, right? We all know that. But there's something happening here that is an alliance that God is, is forming for such a time of this, for this great move that he is doing. So come on up, Will and Um Yeah, come on. Get ready because they have a word from the Lord. Go for it. Speak it. Super thankful, super thankful for y'all. Oh, wow. Well, my goodness, y'all have no idea. This is, this is huge for me. Huge for me to be here um, in more ways than one. First, I had six wisdom teeth pulled on Tuesday. Right? So, yeah, I know, like six, right? I know, as if I had that much wisdom, right? Yeah, if I did, I don't anymore. So, <laughs> but um, I feel great, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not talking like this like I was a few days ago because it, it used to hurt to open my mouth. But I, 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 my wife was like, should you, you should let them know, what you're gonna, you know what's going on with you? And, you know, maybe you should pull back. I'm like, there's no way I'm missing tonight. One, because I love Steve and Marcy. But then two, <laughs> this house means so much to me in my history with God. And to have the honor to share it with you, it's huge. So I'm not going to preach my message. My amazing wife is with me. She's actually a little bit better preaching than I am. Go ahead and greet everybody. Well, the reason why he's here, because I was doing all the behind-the-scenes work, you know. So praise God for wives. Come on, give it up for the wives. But no, it's such an honor to be with Stephen, Marcy Fish, and Kate, and your husband, Duncan. I've followed you guys for years Actually, it was touched in 96 in the Toronto Blessing. So it's so special to be with you guys. You know, Marcy, it is an honor. We just hosted a prayer meeting at Mercy Culture Church in, uh, uh, I guess, August the 4th. And it was like an eight-hour straight prayer meeting. 
And this woman of God stayed on her face the entire time with me and contended and prayed for breakthrough in this city. So it is such an honor. We would not want to be anywhere else tonight. And Will's going to actually be preaching. So I know he has a word, but I just want to pray uh, over this meeting because I do feel the fear of the Lord. I feel that we are in a convergence moment and I do feel we're in a Kairos time and the room is pregnant with inheritance, pregnant with legacy. So God, we just thank you for this convergence tonight. We thank you, Lord, for 70 years. We thank you for what you've done. But God, we say, give us a new, a new more, a new more. God, put a, we put a demand on the anointing. We put a demand, Lord, not on you, but on the voice, Lord, that you placed in your servant, Lord. And God, we thank you for the glory that's coming. Help us to not rob and not get in the way, Lord, of this wave. Help us to get out of the way. Help us to get out of the way in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Uh, thank you, Steve. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Turn with me in your Bibles or turn in your Bibles. Now that generation we're talking to. Go to Isaiah. Or as Duncan would say, Isaiah. Y'all say it like that. Isaiah, chapter 22. Isaiah 22. It's kind of a life message for me in, in, in one sense, but I feel like it's catalytic for this moment. Isaiah 22, starting at verse 15 says this, thus says the Lord God of hosts, come, go to this steward, to Shebna, who's in charge of the royal household. What right do you have here, and whom do you have here, that you have hewn a tomb for yourself here, you who have hewn a tomb in the heights, you will carve a resting place for yourself in the rock. Behold, the Lord is about to hurl you headlong, O man, and he is about to grasp you up firmly and roll you up tightly like a ball to be cast into a vast country. There you will die, and there your splendid chariots will be, you shame of your master's house. How would you like to have that as a prophetic word for you, right? <laughs> Yay, the prophet's coming down. No! You know. <laughs> we'll go over the names and the significance, but this is a powerful word that's going on here. Then he says, There you would die, there you splendid chariots, but you shame your master's house. Verse 19, I will depose you from your office and pull you down from your station. Then it will come about in that day, everybody say that day, that I will summon my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your tunic. I will tie your sash securely about him. I will entrust him with your authority, and he will become a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Then I will set the key to the house of David on his shoulder. Verse 22, 22. When he opens, no one will shut. When he shut, no one will open. And I will drive him like a peg in a firm place. And he'll become a throne of glory to his father's house. So they will hang on him all the glory of his father's house, offspring and issue. All the least of vessels to the greater vessels, from the bowls 
to the jars. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, the peg driven in a firm place will give way. It will even break off and fall, and the load hanging on it will be cut off. For the Lord has spoken. Powerful stuff. Now, turn with me to Jeremiah. Because we're in a 70 thing, right? <laughs> we are in a season of this, this 70. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Everybody likes to jump to verse 11, right? But other plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and hope and expect it in. Your future is so bright, you got to wear shades. Come on. Yeah, all right. Back to the future. This is really like the back to the future verse. Back to the future in more ways than one because he's prophesying about how they're going to go into exile. And it's a prototype for what's going to happen one day. They're going to go in exile and there'll be a blessing to the place where God is sending them. Hananiah the prophet prophesied that they're going to be in exile for two years. Jeremiah the prophet says, nah, not quite. It's going to be 70 years. But while you're there in Babylon with these people who can't stand you and want to vaccinate you or unvaccinate you, People want to mask you and not mask you. It's come like the new circumcision, isn't it? I know I'm meddling a little bit. It's about the new creation, Christ, right? But the enemy, he's, I mean, don't you miss the old days of the race riots? Good night. Days of critical race theory and all that stuff. Now we got the vaccine thing. It's a trip. I thought it was about having the virus, not the vaccine. I mean, anyway, all antibodies aside, let me continue. <laughs> <laughs> we here, we might as well praise them. Come on. So, in that place, Seventy years, the way that you're going to make it in that 70 years, I want you to buy land, build houses. In other words, I want you to become problem solvers to society. And while everybody else is killing off their babies, you go back and read it. While everybody else, you have children, have lands, because I'm going to send you back to Jerusalem. And it's really a prototype for us. Because this, this, listen, this place is not our home. Have y'all figured that out yet? Ever, ever since a Virgil, I figured it out. <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> ever since the Virgil decision by the Supreme Court, I realized, oh, my God, America's not my home. Christian nation has gone wayward, but this place is not our home. We're foreigners in a strange country. We're just passing through, y'all. 
But while we're here, guess what we're going to do? We're going to buy land. We're going to buy houses. We're going to occupy until the Lord comes. And we're going to share this good news with as many people as possible. And we're going to birth spiritual children while everybody else is trying to get rid of their children. We're going to birth spiritual children. You know why? Because there's a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. There's a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope and expect it in. It's back to the future because there's a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. But how do you step into that promise? Daniel showed us how to turn to step into that promise. I would take you to that verse, but I want to do a whole bunch of Bible thumping. I know you have a, the Baptist background. I remember the days. Come on. <laughs> fresh out of seminary. He is fresh, fresh out of uh, Southwestern Theological Seminary. Were you like the class president or something like that? Or he was, he was pretty high up. Like he was like one of the most respected seminarians around. I mean, he was the president. Hey, they all loved him. I remember James Avenue Baptist Church. I remember that. I remember your pastor back in the day. His love for the Bible. And his love for the truth. And his love for Jesus converged with the love for the Holy Spirit. It was such a beautiful thing to watch y'all. It wrecked us. It wrecked us all. Oh, you have such an amazing history in this house. I remember hearing Wesley and Stacy Campbell for the first time here in this house. Stacy Campbell pulls me back in the back and says, you know, you have a John Wesley thing on you, so that's prophesying over you. Remember that? You know, Heidi Baker being here. Stand on the shoulders of some amazing people. The fishers recognize that. Why wouldn't they say, oh, we want to recognize the last, what, 15, 20 years? It says 70 years because there'd be no James Avenue. There'd be no Convergence Church without the James Avenue years. And this house has birthed, has been catalytic. There's so many moves of the Spirit. Michael Miller and I from Upper Room, we were talking even at our conference in August. He said, you know, there'd be no Upper Room without Convergence Church. Because of what God did in this house. He was a partaker of that. The Antioch Church moved. They got birthed out of here. Um, Mercy Culture up the street. They all recognize it. Yep, everybody, they recognize it. We don't live in the past, but if we don't remember the past and honor it, That's how you build altars. Altars were built off the memories of the history of God's faithfulness. When Elijah had a showdown with the prophets of Baal, he gathered 12 memorial stones. Those are the memorial stones that when Joshua crossed the Jordan River and God parted it, told him to gather up those memorial stones on either side. When God saw those 12 rocks, you know what he saw? He didn't see a pile of rocks. He saw the great-great-grandsons of his covenant friend Abraham who left everything to follow him. Because God loves to remember. And Elijah 
being a prophet, being a friend of God more than anything, he knew how to move the heart of God. So you know what he does? In the midst of the rebellion of the nation, when they were halting between two opinions, another translator says it like this, they were limping between two opinions. Is God Baal? Is, is, is God uh, uh, Lord or is Baal Lord? Limping back and forth. It's kind of where we are right now, limping back and forth. I'm going to provoke God to remember. So he takes those 12 memorial stones and he rebuilds the altar of Israel. And he cries out to a God who loves to remember. And he says, God, on these old stones, on these old memories, release a new fire for the next generation. And then God shifted the whole nation. Because God loves to remember. He's faithful. So Jeremiah the prophet knew that God loved to remember. In Daniel 9 and 10, do you realize the reason why he goes on his fast is because he realized that the time had come for the 70 years to be completed. And he refused to have a casual response to the prophetic word of Jeremiah because Jeremiah prophesied, you're going to go into this land. God has a promise for you. But he refuses to have a casual response to the 70 years, 70 years being up. So he goes on a 21-day fast, and he repents for the sins of the nation and numbers himself among the transgressors in that because he refused to have a, a casual response. Because if you read Jeremiah 9, uh, 29, After verse 11, he says this, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place where I've sent you into exile. Seventy years were up, and he refused to have a casual response. That's why I'm so glad this remedy is here. And I'm so honored to be here tonight, because listen, y'all, 70 years are up. It's not the same, of course, as what was going on with uh, Israel and what was happening in that time of captivity. But we're in a different time of type of spiritual captivity. God's been faithful in these 70 years, but there's something about honoring God in the midst of the 70. So before I dive off, this is not my text. This is not what I'm preaching. I'm not going to hold you that long, but I'm going to hold you a little bit. <laughs> Can we just get on our knees just for a little bit and honor God for 70 years? 70 years of faithfulness. God, we thank you. <laughs> God, we thank you. God, we're so thankful. We're thankful. We come before you as a thankful people. Lord, to say thank you for 70 years of faithfulness. You've been faithful throughout all the generations. You were faithful to Moses. You were faithful to Abraham. And you're faithful to us today, God.
You've been faithful to the fishes. You were faithful to the, to the elders and pastors of James Avenue, and you've been faithful to all that you've done at the elders and leaders and Convergence Church. God, we thank you for 70 years. We thank you for your faithfulness. We remember your faithfulness, God. We thank you for what you transitioned us out of. We thank you for how you set us free. We thank you for how catalytic you've been in this house. We thank you for the lives that have been changed. We thank you for the people who have been transformed. God, we thank you for how we've been changed and transformed by what you've done in this region. God, personally, as a son of Fort Worth, God, I say thank you. Thank you for James Avenue. Thank you for the love of the word that I got in this house. Thank you for the great Bible teaching. But, oh, God, I thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that radically changed our hearts and changed our lives. It changed Marcy. It changed Steve. But it also it changed us, too. God, we're so thankful. God, the, the highest watermark that I can remember, Lord, in my time here, the thing that wrecked me the most is the way you encountered young children under the glory of God. Oh, God, I thank you for that. I just remember this, this place being filled of children, not in the children's ministry, but they were here being encountered by you. God, I thank you. Even tonight, God, you're doing it all over. God, I thank you. For Andrew being raised in the glory, I thank you. For all the children being raised in the glory, I thank you for other children that were raised in the glory in this house, God. Thank you, God. I've never seen a spectacle like it, God. I've never seen so many young adults in their 20s and 30s on fire for God. Toting babies, pregnant, kids hanging on moms. People weeping and crying and laughing under the glory of God. God, you taught us about family in this house. You taught us about covenant in this house. You taught us about the love of God in this place. Seventy years you took us out of tradition and religion, and you brought us into family. You brought us into your house. And we're here to say thank you for faithfulness. You've been so faithful. We say glory to the righteous one. All glory and honor belongs to you. And we bless you tonight. Now, God, as we enter into this time, Lord, this little message tonight, God, I ask you for more glory. As we were praying new, the, the, the new more. The new more, God, the new more. And we want to repent, Lord, where we thought we knew more than you. First, I'm so guilty of that one, God. Forgive me for my, my pride and, oh, I've seen it before and I've seen that happening. And God, forgive me for becoming so familiar with your presence, for becoming familiar with your move. So, Lord, we lay aside what we knew before for the new more from you today. So that 70 years from now, should you tarry, the next generation will receive the new keys for this new season. And we'll talk about the greater glory that you're releasing. Because this place is not our home. 
We're just passing through. We want to populate that new Jerusalem coming down from heaven with souls being saved, lives being changed. Give us the grace to respond to your voice. For 70 years of a more hotly pursuit of you, of your presence and your desires. We refuse to have a casual response to what you've done 70 years. Thank you for what you're about to do. And all God's people said, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, God. Bless the Lord. Yes, let's give the Lord a clap and a shout. Come on. Yes, Lord. Oh, wow. My friend Anthony Medina's out there going, what happened to Will Ford? <laughs> I get free when I come over here, man. <laughs> I do. Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. I believe that's the verse. It's, everybody's talking about this. What's the Hebrew calendar year? Yeah, it, thank you, Melanie. I would love that. 5782. 50, I'm not, I wish I was better at that stuff. I love Rabbi Jason and all those guys. <laughs> man. 5782, but one thing about 5782 that's really, really key, because eight, the eight represents what? The year or the decade of the mouth, right? But then the two, some scholars say that it's actually connected to sonship. And that's what I feel like is about to happen this year. I think God is raising up these amazing sons and daughters, this next generation. But there's a shift that is happening in the body of Christ right now where God is putting down one and raising up another. All right? So the shift is in all across the body of Christ. Right? So what is going on in this verse, Isaiah 22, 22? First, now, now, the way I got into this whole thing, I, how many of y'all, like, wake up at 222? Yeah? Uh-huh. I thought, I thought so, right? Right? Uh, you see uh, 2222 all the time or whatever, right? I, I went through a season where that was happening to me. That's how I actually got into this verse. Um, I'm not in the numerology and that kind of stuff, but usually when God's doing that to me, he, he leads me to the scriptures. You know, that happened with me with 818. I would see that all over, over and over again. They haven't had the same thing with 818, and it led to Isaiah 818. But Isaiah 22, 22, it, that's, that's how I came alive. So I kept seeing this all the time. License plates, clocks, I'll wake up at 2.22, you know. And I, it, the Lord would say to him, there's not enough numbers on the clock. This is connected to Isaiah 22, 22, where it says, I will give him the key to the house of David, and it will rest on his shoulder. And when he opens, no man will shut. When he shuts, no man will open. Now, there's some other 2.22s and 22s that go along with that, right? But to stay on point. <laughs> Let's talk about this thing. So, uh, so I kept see, receiving all these confirmations, and I'm, you know, I'm, especially back then, even I'm kind of heady, you know, and I, I overthink stuff, you know. And uh, I'm, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe this is psychosomatic or something, right? Until I talked to a spiritual father of mine, Dutch Sheets, he was going through the same thing. He God spoke to him by Isaiah 22, 22, how God was releasing a new governmental authority over his life. And God began to confirm this to him different ways. One, he was going out to speak and hit the gate from the airplane he was leaving out of. He left out of gate number 22. He's flying on American Airlines, and he was assigned seat number 22. 
And then the flight attendant came on and said, oh, the, our flight time today is two hours and 22 minutes. Wow. Yeah, so he got to where he was going to speak, and some lady walks up to him and says, oh, I don't know why, but the Lord told me to give you these three keys connected to these three cities, and it's connected to Isaiah 22, 22. She knew nothing about what, you know, the Lord had said to Dutch. So <clears throat> I heard that, and I thought, man, that's, that's kind of crazy. Why well, a niece, I had several confirmations like that. Let me give you one of them. So I had a, a niece that I've been praying for. Didn't live too far from here. Ayana. Ayana, I was praying for her brilliant mind. She's going to George Washington University at the time. You know, you kids go off to college, university, they kind of lose their way. That's what was kind of going on with my niece. So I'm praying for her. And uh, it's like, uh, what was this? this? I think the year was uh, 2001. I'm praying for her. And all of a sudden, somebody calls me while I'm praying for her. I said, ah, let me keep praying. And then I get through praying for her, and I look, and it was my niece. And she called at 222. Wow. So I'm like, okay, this is key. I got I to gotta call her. So I call her. And, you know, I start, you know, loving on her and just kind of feeling out where her heart is and stuff. And say, hey, you know, I feel like you're supposed to come with me to this prayer gathering that I'm doing with my friend Lou Engel and in, uh, in New England, I said, hold up, they changed the date for it. Let me see some. Oh, they changed the date. It's, it's, it's going to be on September 22nd, what? another 22. She said, oh, that's my birthday. I said, how old are you going to be? She said, 22, right? <laughs> her mama just walked in the back of the room. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's my sister. <laughs> I was telling the story about Ayana. I know. It's the whole, it's the keys, man. Something's going on. Keys are just dropping tonight. Y'all feel it? Something going on prophetically in the spirit. Just see keys dropping and dropping. So how are you going to be? She said 22. I said, well, give me your address, Ayana. I have to send a care package to you. I'm going to send you a Bible, some other things. She said, well, I just moved off campus, and now I live at 2222 I Street. Yep. And they, she spelled it E-Y-E-I Street because in Washington, D.C., they have so many streets with letters on it. So I had to name it I Street, E-Y-E Street. And she was going to George Washington University at the time. And his birthday is February 22nd, another 222. God is saying, I hadn't forgotten about what I promised your forefathers. Keep your eye out for this next generation because the accumulated prayers of previous generations are about to be downloaded on the generation that's pegged for God's glory. So what's going on in this verse? I mean, I could give other confirmations, but that led me to this verse. And it's a fascinating story. There's two people in this story, so well, actually three. But the first one is a guy named Shebna. Shebna says to him, what right do you have in whom do you have it? You have hewn a tomb for yourself in the heights. You have carved a resting place for yourself in the rock. In other words, this guy, he's not even dead yet, but he's made this big mausoleum for himself because he's trying to make a name for himself. He's not even dead yet. So the Lord says, I'm about to hurl you, throw you up tightly like a ball and hurl you into a vast country. There you will die, and there your splendid chariots will be, you shame of your master's house. Splendid chariots. Can you imagine? 
this dude probably had like the, the chariots with the, the, the pimp my ride kind of looking chariot or whatever. Y'all remember that show? <laughs> Trues, Vos, and curb feelers on it or whatever. Riding around. I don't know. <laughs> His name is Shebda, and he was actually the treasurer. He's a marketplace guy. Well, we like to spiritualize, spiritualize this verse, and we should. But first and foremost, he's a marketplace guy. He was over the treasury for the whole nation. Remember when Hezekiah gets in trouble for showing his treasury to, I believe it was Egypt or Babylon, and the Lord judges him for that? That vast treasury, well, Shebna was the one who was the steward over that to make sure. You know, so he had, probably had to keep an accounting of everything that was there. He probably had to keep appreciation values for all the things that were there, the spoils of Israel and all these different things, gold that was in there, whatever. He had to appraise those things. So he was an accountant at the least, or he was a treasurer for the whole nation at the, at the most. But this is a marketplace, too. I believe there are marketplace people in this church that God is raising up for such a— You know what I got while I was here? I don't, this is—can I just test it, right? I'm not, I'm not the most prophetic person at times, but even a broke clock is right twice a day. Sometimes I get there, right? But I heard something. You know what I heard during worship? I'm like, God, speak to me about, you know, some people here. And he started talking to me about the marketplace, and he started talking to me about someone here who's invested in Bitcoin. I've never invested in that stuff. Is there anybody here who's invested in Bitcoin? You, sir? I just felt like the Lord said that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is going to come on you in a new way for investing. You've been a great steward in real estate and other things, and now God is going to, he's opened up this new avenue for you in Bitcoin. And, you know, you, there are some people you've been listening to, some other things you've been reading, but wisdom and revelation is going to fall on the things that you learn. So can, can I pray for you? Yeah, so, so Father, right now, say your name for me, sir. So, Lord, for Tim, God, I thank you for uh, th this man who knows how to invest in your kingdom, the one who seeks the kingdom first, that his treasure is not in Bitcoin, his treasure is in heaven. And because he sought for the first kingdom, he gets the second one, too. And, God, I thank you for just uh, even, even other sons of glory that you're going to raise up in this, Lord, uh, just with this marketplace anointing. In this hour, this carrier of glory into the marketplace, I thank you that he moves from favor to influence in ways in the dimensions he's never known before. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. That makes sense? Okay. Every now and then, okay. Every now and then. So, so you're not Shabna. But this, 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 but his replacement is a pretty cool guy. You probably are him. But to talk more about Shebna, this, this steward, Shebna, his name literally means tender shoot. You wonder why God, why is God replacing this guy, right? You don't always understand something about people prophetically in their, in their name, especially, you know, in the Bible. That always has some significance. Shebna means tender shoot or an immature blade of grass that's growing up. Shebna represents immature, unfathered authority. This guy with this orphan spirit, in a sense, basically unfathered, 
but he's using his entire office to consume upon his own self and his own lust and his own desires. He has no thought of regard for the next generation. No thought of regard for the next generation. That's why God is raising up the next person because we read it there earlier. He said the person that he's raising up, he will become a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. So Shebna had no regard for the next generation. All he was concerned about was himself, right? And at the end, you see there where he says, uh, the load hanging on, that peg will fall off. And uh, so that represents all the alliances that were hanging on Shebna, right? I remember back in the day when I was 15 years old and I shouldn't have been having, I shouldn't have had a job. I was 15 years old, I lied on the application so I could work at Taco Bell on, on East Berry. Yeah. Most of the time I worked for my father's business, but I decided to get a job at Taco Bell. But my friends would always come by late at night, right, for the hookup, right? In the night, they would come by and get, you know, whatever burritos we were trying to get rid of before we threw it in the trash or something like that or whatever. Oh, some of you have done the same thing too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I had another friend who worked at Foot Locker, and, you know, people would come in for the employee discount with him. That's a false alliance. It's a false alliance, not born of God's spirit. That's what Shebna was doing. He's giving the hookup to all these other people who are hanging on to him. He was pegged in that place, in that office, but he used it to take care of himself and all those that he was giving handouts to, right? So that's Shebna. I believe right now God is, God is dealing with the spirit of Shebna right now. He's pulling down one and raising up another. Psalm 75, God pulls down one and raises up another. We're seeing that shift happen right now, right? From the big name preachers in New York, rock star preachers, and all of a sudden stuff is exposed to the storefront preacher. God's not playing games right now. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. Thank God he's merciful. But we're in that season where God is pulling down one to raise up another because we don't have much time left. And it's not the time to be playing church <laughs> right now. This is a holy, holy office. It's a holy, holy thing to be a believer, right? Especially what God is about to pour out right now in this season. You don't want to miss out by walking in sin, doubt, unbelief, being a tail bearer, being a scorner, bringing division. You don't want to be part of that right now. It's not time to play politics in the church right now. Don't miss out on this next move. It's going to be amazing. It's already happening. We see stuff happen all over the country that's mind-blowing. So he says, I'm pulling down Shebna and raising up Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Beautiful thing. Raise up Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Who is Hilkiah? A lot of times you see the name Hilkiah connected to the name of priests in Israel. And they, they were always amazing. And they had spiritual sons and natural sons that were these powerful, powerful leaders in the nation of Israel. Like there's one Hilkiah. He was, he was, the, son, he was the father of Jeremiah the prophet. And he was also the spiritual father of Josiah the king. He was the one who found the lost book in Israel, and he doesn't keep it for himself. He gives it to the next generation, gives it to Josiah, right? 
Hilkiah's name literally means inheritance. There's an inheritance that's laid up for a generation. I know we've had 70 years, but there's more. There's a new more that God is releasing in this hour. And so he has these fathers of inheritance that have been connected to this house that are looking for sons and daughters who have been mentored, who have been discipled, who've, who've, who've not made idols of their mentors or disciples, but they've followed the way of the Lord. And to those people, they're receiving keys from the previous generation. Keys to open doors no man can close and the closed doors no man can open. So raising up Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Hilkiah means what? Inheritance. Guess what Eliakim means? It means set up by God. Raised up by God. But the connotation is that of an awakening. Like someone who's asleep and all of a sudden, they set up. And they're actually put in place. They're put into position. They're actually put into an office. But they're finally awake. We've seen the awakening. We're about to see the awakening. The awakening. We're about to see an awakening like we haven't seen before. Raising up the sons of inheritance for an awakening. <laughs> then he says, I will take your sash and I'll give it to Eliakim. I'll take Shebna's tunic and give it to Eliakim. Take your authority, Shebna, and I'm giving it to Eliakim. And he'll become a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And he says, and he'll become a throne of glory to his father's house. Next generational transfer. Next generational transfer. And so, then he says, and I will drive him like a peg in a firm place. He'll become a throne of glory to his father's house, and they will hang upon him all the glory of his father's house. Offspring and issue are the least of vessels to the greater vessels, from the bowls to the jars. You can't gloss over that. That's powerful stuff. Here's what's going on. That peg that he's talking about was not a tent peg that was driven in the ground. According to Freeman's Manners and Customs, that peg was actually a peg that was driven in the wall of the temple. And they would actually build the wall up and around the peg to make sure it stayed secure and in place and intact because it was that special to the temple. Let's go into Freeman's Manners and Customs. You know what that speaks to me of? There are people in the house of the Lord that are going to stick out in this season. Yeah, and it's just, it's favor, right? That's what happens. We're going to see uncanny, ridiculous favor come on people like we've never seen before in the body of Christ. They're going to stick out. But here's the deal. When you see favor come on in your life like that, you have to realize. I mean, this is not just like favor and I got the job and favor. No, this is like favor and massive explosion. I mean, this is beyond just being a little social media influencer. You get, you get, you get to influence things that are happening in the heavenly realms. This is more than a hashtag. This is about some people who really take up a cross and do business with God. And all of a sudden, everything shifts. I know people put, you know, used to preach this before and put on your license plate, it ain't fair and all that stuff. No, there's more to favor than that. 
is more in favor than the new Cadillac, the new Mercedes, or the... Because at the end of the day, favor ain't about you. Especially uncanny, ridiculous favor. It ain't about you. It's about all the other people hanging on the other side of your obedience. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're pegged. Yeah, you're pegged for an awakening. You're being set up and you don't even realize it. You're being set up by God. You thought everything you went through was a setback. No, it was all a setup for right now. You thought you were born, born in a different time period. No, no, no. You've been set up for right now. You've been pegged. You stand out at work and people are looking at you. And they talk about you crazy because who's that little crazy Christian person over there? They don't even know. You, the glory of God is going to rest on you in such a way. So favor at the end of the day is not about status. It's about purpose. When you see this uncanny, ridiculous favor come on in your life, ask God, who is it for and what is it for? Because they said on that peg, remember the peg that they built the wall of the house up and around that peg. Listen, peg ones that are going to stick out, you're not more important than the house that is supporting you. I know I had to run off like Sean Smith, but I was just thinking about that. No, for real. You're not more important than the, than the house that is supporting you. Humility is going to be very, very key to carrying the glory. Connectingness to the house of the Lord is going to be very, very key to carrying the glory the right way in this season. So they said they're going to hang up on him the jars, the clay jars. You know what clay jars represent in the Bible? They're vessels. They represent what? People that are going to hang up on that pig. In other words, uh, other people hanging on the other side of your obedience in this season you're about to step in. Right? But the other thing that's key is this. Then he says, they'll also hang up on him the bowls. They're going to hang up on that peg too. You know what I think the bowls represent, Duncan? It represents Revelation 5 and 8. The bowls in heaven full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. In other words, the accumulated prayers of previous generations are about to be downloaded on a generation that's pegged for God's glory. And we're going to look around and sit up and be like, how did I, how did I even wind up here? <laughs> be like that back to the future man. <laughs> McFly, right? I'm kind of living that out a little bit, y'all. So I had this like prayer bowl kind of thing in my family. It's 200-year-old kettle pot. Y'all remember that story? I shared it here. For those who weren't here, I have a 200-year-old kettle pot that was used by the slaves in my family. They were Christians. They used it for cooking, but secretly they used it for prayer because the slave master would beat them if he heard them praying because he didn't want them praying for freedom. But they loved Jesus, and they prayed anyway. They were going to a barn late at night where everyone would sleep, take that pot and turn it upside down on the cabin floor, prop it up with rocks, prostrate themselves on the ground, put their lips in between the opening between the ground and the kettle so that that kettle pot could muffle the voices as they prayed through the night. And the story that they passed down with the pot is this, is that they didn't think they would see freedom in their time, so they prayed for the freedom of their children and the next generation. One day freedom comes as this young teenage girl, we don't know what her name is to this day, but she decides to keep that pot and that story in our family. 
So she passed the pot and the story down to Harriet Lockett. Harriet Lockett passed it on to Noah Lockett. Noah Lockett gives it to her son, Lawrence Lockett, but then they changed his name to William Lawrence Ford. Then he gives it to his son, William Ford Jr., and then he gives it to me, William Ford III. So by the time I get it 20 years ago, I started taking that pot around the country to talk about the prayer bowls in heaven. And how it wasn't just black Christian slaves praying, but also white Christian abolitionists and revivalists who were praying as well knew that the Christian slave was their brother. They had their houses burned. Many of them were shot, killed, and lynched right along with those slaves because they chose to suffer with the people of God rather than compromise and weaken slavery. And those folks prayed into being the first and the second great awakenings. Had it not been for those revivals, slavery would have never ended in our nation. So, I'm taking that pot around the country to talk about the prayer bowls in heaven, just as an object lesson kind of thing. And then I had a dream with Martin Luther King in it, 2003, 2004, where God dealt with me about unforgiveness issues with the race issue. Some things I experienced while I was growing up here in Fort Worth. My friend Lou Engle said, hey, you got to share this dream at the Lincoln Memorial. MLK celebration day be a powerful time. There was a white guy who was led to that gathering because of a dream. Never met each other before. He wasn't part of any of our movements. He comes to that gathering because he had a dream about a man named Lou Engle. He thought, who and what is a Lou Engle? Types his name in Google, up pops the face of the man that he saw in his dream. And he's doing exactly what he saw in his dream. So he freaks out. He comes to the gathering. We became friends. We've been friends for 17 years. Well, fast forward. That white friend of mine, Matt Lockett, he found out that the Civil War ended in his family's front yard. So we thought, man, what a cool coincidence. I have this kettle pot where slaves pray for freedom. You have this house where General Lee fought his last battle. We thought, cool coincidence. But then we stumbled on more research, and we learned that it was my friend Matt Lockett's family who owned my family where the kettle pot came from. I mean, it's a crazy story. I mean, his, his family is also the family that invented the Confederate flag. So through the same family where the flag of rebellion was raised up, the flag of surrender goes up in their front yard. But he also had a revivalist and an abolitionist in the same family who traveled with Francis Asbury, who took a strong stand against slavery and fought against slavery. So it's like all of our family histories we have these dominating themes called generational blessings and generational curses. They reach these dominating themes of storylines, right? And what God is shouting to everybody right now is this. What storyline do you want to be a part of? The healing or the hurt, the blessing or the curse. What storyline do you want to be a part of? So we write a little book about it called The Dream King, how the dream of Martin Luther King is being fulfilled to heal racism in America. Michael Landon Jr. and Brian Bird connect with us, long story short. We got movie rights options on the book. But get this, it's not because of my prayer life. It's not because of Matt's prayer life. It's because God hadn't forgotten about the prayers of people 200 years ago. He hadn't forgotten about a Daniel Locker that traveled with Asbury. He hadn't forgotten about an Isaac Locker that was praying for my freedom. And the accumulated prayers of previous generations are being downloaded on a generation pet for God's glory in 5782. We're in that season right now. 70 years are up. 
It's time to press in for the more. It's time to press in to know more. It's time to press in to know him the more. So that's what I see. 70 years up. Let's treat this time, this weekend, just like Daniel did. Seen the prophetic words over this house. We've seen the prophetic words over James Avenue and over convergence. Here we are at this powerful convergence, this synergy of the ages, if you will. All these things coming together right now in this moment. Something's going on. And what I hear God saying right now over convergence is this. God is releasing new keys for a new season. New keys for a new season. Shut the door to the plans of the enemy, but open the door to the next move of God. Should the Lord tarry, it's going to bring greater impact. But this generation must contend for their awakening. I'm talking about the younger. This is your revival. We've seen a few things. Some of you grew up in it a little bit. I heard that when we were praying back there. Back then, we remember we were praying, oh, God, we want more. More, Lord. That was our cry back then. More, Lord. Honestly, not even that loud. We would just say, more, Lord. And what would happen, y'all? I remember getting plastered. I remember the Arnots came to a little church in Arlington, Texas. Right? Y'all remember that? Yep. This when they first came. Yeah, this is one of the first times they were coming through, right? Grace, Grace Community Church. I snuck over there. Yeah, I snuck over there. Because I, you know, I grew up uh, Church of Christ. I learned a love for the New Testament. But I love instruments now, too. But anyway, <laughs> I snuck over there. I remember trying to sneak out of that place, and John R. said, come here. You know, the Lord really wants to impart this to you. More, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I was, and then I, then I got up. It's like... More, Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah. That river. Oh, my God. That Toronto River. I bless it, man. Yeah. You know, this generation, I love you guys, but yeah. You got your river, but it's kind of more like a lazy river. <laughs> we had a river that it jacked us up. I remember that. And I remember sneaking over here. I remember when, like, uh, when uh, Cash the Fire came to DFW International Airport. Y'all remember that conference? Oh, yeah. That's the first time I learned about carpet time. <laughs> All these orbs flying around the room. I'm like, what in the world? It's my first time being around angelic activity. <laughs> Wesley Campbell, Stacy, 
laying hands on people. Carol, I'm not prophesying over people, laying hands. It was beautiful. It was, it was glorious. People weeping and crying, laughing, laughing and laughing. You know, most of the time people were laughing, and you know what it was about? <laughs> they were being healed of horrible abuses in their lives. And the Lord would appear in those circumstances and bring healing to them. I had a friend during that time, during that season, was addicted to crack. His father was a heroin addict. His father got saved. Came to a meeting like that. Came to the meeting just to get money for his, from his dad so he can get some more crack. But Jacob Watson walked into that room and the holy laughter hit him for 45 minutes. And he's never touched an ounce of crack cocaine ever again. A powerful preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amazing man of God. That was over 20 years ago. And people ridicule. You know how they used to ridicule us? And I used to ridicule it. <laughs> Rodney Howard Brown came to my sister's church, Calvary Cathedral. I was going to a little... I got burned by a charismaniac church. I mean, I thought I experienced legalism in the Church of Christ. There's nothing like charismaniac legalism. <laughs> I went from don't raise your hands, so you better raise your hands. Don't speak in tongues, so you better speak in tongues. I mean, I had to fake manif manifestations to make my pastor feel good. You know that? <laughs> it was pretty controlling. And then, you know, other things got exposed later on. But I, was in, I got burned from that. So I was, I'm done with these charismaniacs. I'm done with the gifts. Just give me the Bible. So I went to a cemetery of a seminary. It wasn't Southwestern Theological. It was another little small thing. God started pouring out his spirit at Calvary Cathedral. So I, my wife, not my wife, but my, my, my sister, she was, I mean, she got lit up like a Christian tree. Both my sisters did. You're guilty. You know, you prayed me into this stuff. But anyway. So uh, I explained to her how, you know, this is, this is all just, you know, psychosomatic and da-da-da-da-da. It's group think. I'm going to show you how wrong all this stuff is. We prayed for 30 minutes, and I get there. I'm sitting there, and a lady named Jenny Grind sings a song. <laughs> and they had to drag off the stage. Broken wings take time to mend. It's a powerful song. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, nobody laid hands on me, but I felt electricity hit me from the top of my head, went all the way to the soles of my feet. And I was drunk. Like drunk. Like just the weighty presence of the Lord was on me. I looked at my sister and said, well, what is this? She said, what is what? Nothing happened to her that night. So here it is, this theological knucklehead. I get, so I was three days drunk. I had to be taken home. And so I spent the next three months in Scripture trying to figure out what happened to me. And I realized there's another word for glory beyond Shekinah, it's kabod. The weighty presence, that's what I felt. And I would sneak over here, we would feel it here too. Such profound ways. I remember another place I went. There was a Light the Nations conference. 
And you know how you have those walled-off partitions? I'm telling this for the next generation because I want to I stir up your faith. I'm just, just wall, you know, you, you know, you had the, the workshops, you know. Powerful conference. All the Argentine revivalists were there. It's about 5,000 people there. It was amazing. So in one room, we had this guy over here who was a prophet, well-known prophet. Prophetic was starting on the scene at that time. And uh, I have people trying to save me seats to be in that room. Said about, what, 200 people, 300 people. And uh, so finally I get in that room. And next door to us was some other guy. His, his name was Tommy Tenney or something like that. No books or anything out about him. There was just something about a pulpit that split in a church that he preached at in Houston or whatever. He was there when that happened. So <laughs> we didn't know about him. Because now, 15 million books later, and he writes the book, The God Chasers now. But this is before that book was written. So I'm in one room trying to listen for the well-known preacher. Who is an amazing guy, by the way. But all of a sudden, that walled-up partition, it starts to go like this. And we hear something like a freight train and an airplane trying to take off at the same time. And... Uh, our prophet guy must have been pretty prophetic. He said, you know what? Maybe we should just stop what we're doing and go next door. <laughs> he kind of made a joke out of it. But then about 15 minutes later, he said, you know what? No, let's just stop doing what we're doing. Let's go next door. We, we went next door, y'all. Bodies were <laughs> everywhere. A mighty rushing wind came through that room. And released the spirit of travail so intensely. I have friends of mine who were there in that room. And they said, what do, you, what, what do you remember about that moment? He said, all I can remember is that, yeah, I felt the wind. But the most, the most impactful thing that happened was I, I could not not pray. He said, and they were just wailing, travailing prayers. Just, just, <sighs> we had these those moments, too here to birth something. God birth something. Next generation. I believe you're next door to another powerful move of the Spirit that's going to eclipse anything we've ever seen before. Yeah. Duncan and others can tell you, you know, you can't manufacture these things, but God's looking for a response. <laughs> Seventy years up, God is asking, Will you respond? Will you contend? Because you're right on the other side of an awakening. You can hang out with the cool, fancy preachers of the day, or the next thing that's happening prophetic, or you can use the keys that God has given you to open a door to the awakening that's going to shift your family, this region, this nation, for generations to come, should the Lord tarry. That's my message. Stand to your feet. I just remember, you know the other thing that was so beautiful, Duncan, about how y'all ministered back then? It was team ministry. You know? Not so much with places where I go. But can we do that? Can y'all come up here? Can Steve and Andrew come up and Marcy come up? 
to Havlin, come on up. Let's come. Let's all come up here. And the worship team come up too, if y'all can. Just, just somebody on the you know the keys a little bit. I just feel the presence of the Lord here in such a such a beautiful way. You're pegged. Convergence, you're pegged. You're pegged for the more. You're pegged for the more in your family. Pegged for the more in your, in your neighborhood. Pegged for the more in your job. You pegged for the more in this house. Well, let's do this first. I just feel like, one, we just need to pray. Just put your hands in receiver mode. It, it just agrees with you prayer. Just, you don't have to say it out loud, but I just want to ask God, God, would you deal with the Shebna in me? <laughs> would you deal with that thing in me that wants to make a name for itself? Would you deal with the, the shepherd in me that depends more on networking and business cards instead of the anointing and the presence? God, we're so sorry for how we play games in your presence. I, I, I particularly am, God. I'm so sorry. Thank you for pulling it out of our Thank you for even addressing it. You're so kind. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you in your kindness that you refuse us. You refuse to leave us where we are. And you want to take us from glory to glory to glory. Forgive us what we thought we knew more than you. And we were relied on false alliances. We knew more than you when we wouldn't forgive this person. Or we stigmatize that person so we can have a position, whatever that looks like. Uh, we get rid of our pride, our selfish ambition, and those things, God. And God, we thank you for the new more. We thank you for the new more that you're pouring out. And God, we thank you for new keys for these Eliakims, these sons and daughters of awakening. I just see it happening over many people here too. It's like suddenly and suddenly. It's the season of suddenly. The season of suddenly. All of a sudden you set up. You know, interesting thing about this Eliakim guy, you know what he gets his promotion? Is when Israel is in Babylonian captivity for, for two and a half years. Or oh, the Syrian, Assyrian uh, ca captivity for two and a half years. <laughs> They're throwing boulders over in Jerusalem. 
pigeon dung is being sold for inflationary prices because nothing can go in to come out. They were quarantined for two and a half years. Josephus said that they actually had a thing called the Black Forest on the other side of the wall where people were impaled by the Assyrians up to 2,000 2, people or more. They called it the Black Forest because they, their bodies were just rotting the sun. It was in that season that Eliakim got his promotion. But then he connects in Isaiah 36 with Rabshakeh, the spokesman for the Assyrians. He goes back, takes that message to King Hezekiah. Hezekiah writes it out. And the Lord says, the same way he came in is the same way he's going to leave. Isaiah 36, you read it, verse 33. Verse 13, I believe he says, because I'm going to do this for my own name's sake and for my servant David's sake. Like, where is David in this story? God was still under the influence of David's memory. And the plague gets stopped because Eliakim uses, right, uses keys in that season to shut the door to Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. And it opened the door to the release of God's glory over the whole nation. Some of y'all wonder why you were born in the middle of this crisis right now. God set you up. You wonder why you went through all the hell that you went through before everybody else. You were a forerunner to everybody else's hell in 2017 to 2019. Everybody else is going through it. And you wonder why you went through it that back then? It's because God was setting you up to be a voice right now. He was setting you up to help other people through all the strife, through all the division, through all the contention. You didn't miss your moment. You didn't miss your season. This crisis is your season. Because this place is not our home. And there's so many people that will listen to you in a time of crisis, especially with the gospel. We're sharing the gospel everywhere we go right now. We're seeing people getting saved, prophetic words being released all over the place. Why? Because God is very present in a time of trouble. And he's stretching you out as a penguin, like an awakening rod over your generation. You're bringing hope to other people. You're bringing healing to hearts. Because keys are dropping in Jesus' name. Put your hands and receive them all right now. Father, I thank you right now. New keys. New keys. Receive it. New keys. New keys. New keys for a new season in the name of Jesus. To become problem solvers to society. To make wrong things right. So that generations even yet to be created can praise you, Lord. Jesus' name. Y'all have anything? Yes, Lord, we just receive the keys, Lord. We just receive. I just feel the weight of God. Lord, we just receive the keys, Lord. And even as we're receiving. I feel like there's a lifting in the room. There's a lifting of heaviness. There's a lifting of oppression. There's a lifting to receive the new. The, oh, I just feel the Lord wants to just breathe fresh. 
He wants to breathe fresh. So, Lord, we just receive. We just receive. We just receive. Even when it's been hard to receive, God. Even when it's been, as we're hearing the stories, God, would you just deal with unbelief, Lord, in our hearts? Because just I feel like you're just going to move, remove the unbelief in our hearts. Yes, we live through the Toronto and the different movements. But God, somehow we've become stagnant, God. God, would you just remove the lid? <laughs> remove the lid. Remove the lid. God, will we become familiar with you? Father, we just ask that you remove the familiarity, Lord, that, 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 that says you're going to do it this way or it has to be done that way. What if we get a revival that doesn't look like anything that we've ever seen or can possibly imagine? What if he gives us something we don't even know what we're praying for? We don't even know what we're asking for. You cannot even comprehend. I has not seen, nor has it even entered into the hearts of men. Come on. God wants to unravel us. God wants to undo us. God wants to unravel us. He wants to undo us. He wants to undo us. He wants us to reduce, to be reduced down to the bare necessities of love. He wants to reduce it. Father, hang on us all of the previous prayers, God. But Lord, we loose the reins of this revival. Come on, we lose control. We lose control to this next move of God. We will not try to rob your glory, God. We lose control of what it has to sound like and what it has to look like. God, we say have your way. Come on, let's give him permission. Can we just give him permission to wreck us once again as we go into the new? Can we give him permission to come in and breathe on us once again? God, we give you permission along this stage, God. Yes, Lord. So right, so right now, you know that you, you want to respond. Come, come forward. We want to. Feel the Lord wants to touch people right now. Come forward. We want to pray for you. Come on, come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know, there are a couple of things that open doors these days. Of course, you know, you put the key in, you get it in the right way. Right? But there, there's something else that opens doors, too. When you get in the right alignment with the, the door opening, thing, all of a sudden, it just opens up. That's what's going to start happening to many of you, because guess what? You're the key. You're the key. Doors is just going to start flying open. You're the key. Jesus' name. You're the key. You're the key. New keys for a new season, God. We thank you for the more. We thank you for the more, God. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. You love the move of the Spirit so much. You love capturing what the Lord is doing. But I hear the Lord saying, you've captured my heart. You've captured my heart. Thank you for this. More. Release the more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the more. More, Lord. More, Lord new keys for a new season in the name of Jesus. Uncanny, ridiculous favor. Man's rejection has been God's protection over you for this time right now. You stood your ground, but you didn't stand alone. The Lord was with you. But now this season, season of favors upon you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you for faithful elders, God, faithful leaders. Release your blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the season of more. In Jesus' name. More of your love. More of your power. Thank you, Lord. 70 years up, God, we respond to the more. 70 years up, God, we respond to the more. 70 years up, God, we respond. Respond for more. We need more for this generation. We need more in this season. More of your love. More of your power. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. stay in this place. Lord, we just thank you for the keys that you're releasing. We thank you for the mantles. We thank you for the mandates. 
We thank you for the setting apart for such a time as this. Father, we thank you for what we're pregnant with. Lord, we thank you for the new thing that is being birthed. We will be aware of it, Lord. We will perceive it. We thank you for the new thing, God. We thank you for rivers in the desert. Thank you, Jesus, for the new thing. We thank you that it's different. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for it, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. We thank you for wells that are being uncapped. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for inheritance that is being released right now, Lord. We thank you for it. We align with it, Lord. We say yes. Find us ready. Find us ready. Find hearts open. Yes, God. Yes, yes, yes. Isaiah 22, 22, it said that the key to the house of David rested on his shoulder. And you know who has that key right now is Jesus. Revelation 3, 7 says he's the one who owns the key. They See, he's the one. He's our Eliakim. He's the one who was set up, son of awakening. He died and rose again. Set up. And he has the keys of authority. We're the ones that are hanging on the peg one, Jesus. But in Matthew 16, 18, releases authority. That's it gives us the keys of the kingdom to wield. And you know why they rest up on shoulders? God's looking for somebody to shoulder the responsibility. Who was willing to take responsibility for this generation's next move? That's what I see God doing. And I'm so thankful for the remnant that is here, especially young people that is here. Just Even Andrew, I just see over you. If you, you come up, Andrew, I want to pray over you in this whole thing. And it's representative for, for the next generation in this house, but also the, over you. But as just a prototype for this next generation, this son of inheritance. God, we thank you for new keys for a new season being released. Thank you for one who's been willing to shoulder the responsibility. Thank you for this peg one that represents so many others that you're pegging right now and they're standing out and they realize that they're not more important than the house that's supporting them. But they're standing out in this season for a reason. Because they know that there are other people hanging on the other side of their obedience. And so, Lord, we thank you for this one, Lord. New keys for a new season. New keys for a new season. From a Hilkiah to an Eliakim. From inheritance to an awakener. God, we pray for an awakening rod to be released. That Andrew become a awakening rod for this generation. Not just in this region, Lord, but for nations. Lord, he has nations in his belly. Not just ministries, but even businesses. 
industries being affected by what you're releasing through the apostolic grace, the next level of the apostolic. Coming from Stephen up on Andrew, in the name of Jesus. So the generations, even yet to be created, will praise you. A greater glory, king of glory, being released. Signs, wonders, miracles, going to a whole nother level. Pursuit for your presence that's, that's hot. That the fire on the altar would never go out. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope and expect it in. If you will seek me with a whole heart, you will find me, sister. Seventy years up, show the responsibility for this next move, says the Lord in Jesus' name. Bless you. just so thankful, so thankful, so thankful for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're about to do, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Continue to let the Lord touch you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Yeah. We're not in a hurry. The Lord's touching you. You stay right where you are. We'll be back here in the morning at 930 It's going to encounter us again. It's going to continue to build what he's releasing. I want to, in the morning, I'm going to share first. Andrew's going to be next. And we're going to, it's not just going to be talking. There's going to be encounter and a lot of ministry that God's going to do in the morning. Um, I want to release a word for the region. 
Lord, like I'm actually not going to preach to the room. He said, I want you to preach to the region. When, when we worship, it's bigger than the room. And when we preach, it's bigger than the room. And so I want to talk in the morning about where our region's going in the future. And I want to release it into the heavenlies. And I believe it's going to loose angelic ministries to perform the word of the Lord. And uh, so hope you'll be here in the morning. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll start at 6 o'clock. If there's someone in your heart like, hey, I, they needed to be here, text them. Text them. Say, hey, come. Be a part of what, a part of what God's doing. So, Lord, we're just thankful. We're just so thankful for what you're doing. Thankful for letting us live in such a time as this. Lord, you are good and you are faithful. Lord, we're thankful for the beginning of the next 70 years. We're thankful that you're marking a generation. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes. You know, to me tonight, when I saw the Holy Spirit touching Kate over here, I was like, God, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. She was over here shaking the power of God, touching her. God is marking the generation. Guys, that's what, that's what this is all about. Even what happened tonight was for generations to come. Things happened tonight that were even for those who aren't born yet. And we just want to say, yes, Lord, that you're faithful to the past, you're faithful to the present, and you're faithful to the future. And we bless you for it, God. Thank you so much, Will and DeHavilland. Can we give these guys a hand and just say thank you for releasing this word tonight. Thank you so much. So good. Bless you. Bless you to go. And we'll see you in the morning at 930. You're welcome to stay as long as God's touching you.